1: The professional's choice. This podcast is sponsored by the Master Group and listen I just did a little demo of the Supco ECM Pro which is a tool to troubleshoot ECM motors. Now I got a lot of good feedback on that tool from the people that have used it and also a lot of good feedback from the people coming into Master Group telling them that they've purchased it and they've had some good use out of it troubleshooting some issues. So If you're in the market, you see a lot of ECM motors, you feel the need that uh, you need some help troubleshooting them, check out the ECM Pro by Supco because it may help out. Check out master.ca. So if you've been paying attention to the uptick in geothermal and the air quotes term electrification, this podcast will be of interest to you. I've got a couple of guests. I'll introduce them in a minute. Three things that we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss more than three, but three things we're going to discuss here off the top. One is that geo is not this ever ending source of energy. Like some people think it's actually a heat sink and that source will dry up at some point. Our guests will talk about that. Okay. The other thing is that we're going to discuss this Toronto home builder that built this cookie cutter subdivision. And instead of the traditional AC furnace, Install they used a geo loop for the whole subdivision and put heat pumps in the homes very very cool This is unheard of to me. The other thing we're going to touch on is high-rise Geo and how we put vertical boreholes in the ground and Use Geo for that energy source and we're going to compare it to the traditional boiler cooling tower chiller in the mechanical room with the fan coils and the individual suites to a Geo system And heat pumps and some price comparisons. So I have Andre Harry from Armstrong Fluid Technology and Adam Aleitza from GeoSource. We're gonna have this collective discussion about this, and I think you guys are gonna learn something here. Let's get to it. This is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know It All Podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in
2: Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry, discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical
1: discussion. Enjoy the show. Adam, Andre, this is round two, guys. (laughs) How are you guys doing tonight? Great, great, great. (laughs) Adam, how are you, man? Doing well. Thanks for having us again. Yeah, no problem. So let's hope this goes a little better this time. We have something cool to talk about, geothermal. And Andre, you're with Armstrong. Adam, you're with GeoSource, correct? That's the company you're currently working with? Correct. Yes. Awesome. Okay, so Andre, you, you started this whole conversation up and brought Adam into this. And why did you bring Adam into this conversation?
0: So, uh, well, first of all, Adam and I, well, oh. I've learned a lot about geothermal uh, systems through Adam, And uh, if we're looking at the industry as a whole, um, our industry, there is a huge move mandate to electrification and zero carbon designs in, in HVAC. And one of the viable solutions in the marketplace is geothermal. This, the challenge is, is that our industry at times doesn't understand geothermal applications and how they're integrated into complete system solution. And Adam's gonna you know, talk to a bit more about this, but people think that when you drill or core and create a geothermal well field, it's an endless supply of energy, whereas not necessarily, it is actually a heat sink. And understanding thermodynamics and their applications with geothermal are critical in in proper design of systems that we're trying to build today, uh, especially in uh, condos or even in, in developments. So that's why I brought Adam in. Like Adam's, uh, like everything I've learned, I've learned through conversations and walkthroughs uh, with Adam. So with that being said, Adam, you can take it away as well.
1: I want to I want to start with uh, I'll let Adam introduce himself, but I want to ask. Uh... I want Adam to sort of take what you said about the geo and and it being a heat sink and not this endless sort of like river of, of heat absorption. There, there is a point where we talked about this last time where we're just going to stop transferring heat. And and you mentioned this on the last time we talked, Adam, if you want to elaborate on that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, should I start with the introduction? Or you want me to yeah, speak yeah. right?
1: So introduce yourself and then elaborate on on yeah. the heat sink thing cuz I think that's really important.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, thank you Andre. I appreciate the uh, I don't know if you could tell but I was blushing when you were saying that. So that was uh, it's an honor to, have <laughs> to I kind of support from you. Yeah, I know my, myself Adam Alightsa Director of Engineering with uh, with Geosource Energy Incorporated. So like Andre had spoken uh, spoken to we've had the uh, pleasure of working closely with one another on a number of great projects uh, with geothermal, at, you know the foundation of these systems. Armstrong on the the fluid technology side, pumps, uh, other thermal fluid equipment and controls, and then GeoSource bringing in the kind of you know below ground making the magic happen on the actual source side for these systems. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, been a fun ride so far with uh, with uh, Andre, and looking forward to obviously other projects as we go. But I guess past my introduction. Yeah, speaking a little bit about geothermal, I think it's just important to kind of start with just clearing misconceptions of the type of geo we're talking about. I think uh, in, the, in the industry, geothermal is kind of a catch-all phrase. Uh, it does, uh, does a good job of describing many different types of geothermal applications. Some think when you say geothermal, you're talking about power generation, you know, high temp applications. This is typically a more, more industrial power jet grade uh, infrastructure. Uh, you have other applications like surface water, aquifer-based geothermal. The sandbox that GeoSource plays in, and the projects we had had the opportunity to collaborate with Andre on, is closed-loop, primarily vertical geothermal systems. And that specific type of infrastructure, to speak to what Andre had said, it's very important to understand. You know, key principles of thermodynamics. Uh, this type of technology is really important to understand operationally how you're using it. And effectively, the balance of these assets, the balance of these assets are a critical component, ensuring you know, longevity on them, appropriate design. I think when we look at the systems as a whole, Andre spoke to it like a heat sink. It acts like a heat source and heat sink, depending on the mode of operation. Often, these types of systems require a heat pump coupled to the loop to make use of that energy. When you think about that infrastructure below ground, though, I think a really good kind of um, simple call it an analogy, if you will, for what a geothermal heat exchanger system is. It's kind of like a thermal battery. right? In the winter, you're using that battery. You're discharging heat from it through a heat pump to heat a building. In the summer, you're taking heat from your building and charging that battery. Like If you own a Tesla or an electric vehicle, if you're trying to get somewhere, you need to be mindful of the type of energy you have stored it in it. Right? Same kind of principle applies here.
1: Gotcha. So we don't have an, an, an ever-ending source of Heat absorption with geothermal, as some people might think, right?
2: Correct. Yeah, I think it's be in the application we look at it. It's mindful. You have to be mindful, obviously, of what you're putting in, what you're taking out, to ensure you have the appropriate energy available on an annual basis to manage your building's needs. So, not endless in, in the sense of how we how we apply this technology, no. Okay,
1: so let me ask you that for the the homeowners or the the residential folk out there that are installing these, how does one manage that, like in peak? Times of the season, how, how do they manage the amount of heat they're absorbing from the ground or, or rejecting to the ground?
2: I would caveat, is that, and we can go as deep down this rabbit hole as you'd like, but uh, the challenge with balance for single family applications becomes less, uh, less of an issue. Okay. Uh, to keep it simple, I'd say when you have large geothermal systems that have tens of boreholes, you know, the systems that we work on with Andre are hundreds of holes, thousands of tons of capacity. Rather, hundreds of tons of capacity. When we have a lot of boreholes in a common area and a bunch of boreholes around each other, we can deplete that immediate soil volume of energy when we're using it for heating applications. There's no real exposure on some of those internal boreholes to, call it, undisturbed ground beyond the borehole. When we look at residential applications, if you have a single hole, we've actually seen in a lot of these systems with single hole application, you can use them for heating only. Right. You heat throughout the winter season. You let that borehole rest if you're not using it for cooling in the summer. And the regain of energy from the far field can recharge those boreholes and they can be leveraged in an imbalanced fashion in the residential setting. I guess the concern we would flag would be primarily in larger bore fields with, you know, tens of holes or hundreds of holes that, you know, have the opportunity to thermally interact. Right. That's, this could be this is a this is a concern in those applications. What what can often happen on the residential side, uh, Gary, is these heat pumps will you know be a often a, a water to air most common application for single family dwellings. Yeah. And they'll come with a an air side electric resistance coil to trim on heating if there is any need for support in the event that you are depleting that borehole. But often you can in single family applications leverage them for heating only.
1: Okay. All right. Makes sense. And and we, we have a cool project that you guys were discussing with me last time. And and I know Andre was the one that originally told me about it and and said that you were involved in it, Adam. So I'm going to kind of let Andre set this up as to what the project was, and then you can kind of explain it a little bit further. So uh, Andre, this project, Matami Homes, what went on there? What
0: happened? So I'm going to put this to Adam, but uh, my recollection is that it is a, is it a 400 home development that Manami did? Yeah. They went with geothermal and heat pumps in the homes but the way it's been set up is that you have multiple well fields that are spread out within the development, and all on a common loop, like a, basically a district energy type of system. Would that be safe to say? Is that kind of the explanation?
2: Yeah, it's that um, on. You're bang on there, Andre. Yeah, that's uh, like well said. The, the number of homes, to to be completely frank with you, I'm not sure where, where it ended up, but. I did have a, the privilege of working on this project. It was a really exciting opportunity with, uh, with Madami Homes and, and N-Wave Energy Corporation. Great system. Right now, it's, there's a couple hundred homes, I believe, is what the final count ended up being. The project's uh, called Springwater, located in Markham, Ontario. But you said it, you said it very well, Andre. Homes connected two-way, larger you know, distribution piping system with pumps, and then a number of distributed geothermal heat exchangers throughout the site injecting and extracting energy at strategic locations quick public service
1: announcement guys the cmpx show which will be in toronto ontario march 23rd 24th and 25th now you can get in without showing a vaccine passport because the mandates have been dropped as of march 1st in ontario for that and i know a lot of techs were asking me about that and wanted to come but couldn't because they're unvaccinated but now you can anyway guys jb warranty Guys, if you're in the market for a warranty program that takes you outside of the manufacturer OEM warranty and you want to provide this peace of mind for your customers, JB Warranty provides this service. So check them out at your leisure if you're interested in this type of service. Company Cam is a platform that helps businesses get organized organized by having timestamp GPS images, videos, notes, all of that rolled into one. Area within the internet uh, it's it's cloud-based that's why I say with on the internet it's cloud-based so it's not taking up room in your phone or your laptop or your, your tablet anybody within the job or anybody that wants to see the job can just click a couple clicks and they're in and they get to see all the information that's been happening within that single job so no texting no emails everything is is there so check out company cam blue on guys has created an app that has all kinds of tools service tools Calculators, uh, a forum, tech support, call in tech support that will help you as best they can with any problem that you may come across within the field. So check out the BlueOn app. Yellow Jacket has released, or will be releasing. I, I've seen images, and I don't know if it's available to, to ship yet, but the Yellow Jacket Mano, which is a dual port manometer. It, it's a uh, it's a probe basically that it's going to connect to the YJack app so you get to see all your readings on the app. So basically it comes with a couple of uh, static pressure tips and it comes with some tubing and stuff so you can check your total external static pressure or just static pressure in general and use the YJack app to do so. We've entered into a new relationship with April Air and the reason for that is because indoor air quality has become so front and center and, and I want to and April Air wants to bring a lot of education to the techs that that follow, that listen. And we want to provide this, this high-level education on filtration, ventilation, humidification, dehumidification, as much as we can so you guys can learn from it and take that forward so you can educate your customers. And it could turn into some legitimate indoor air quality work out in the field. All right? So watch for, for some of that coming real soon. Okay. So... So let's talk about this a little bit further. This is the first time I've ever heard of a residential neighborhood and all of the homes, like every residential neighborhood I see is got a a furnace and an AC, but every one of these has heat pumps tied into a geo system that they're all, uh, they're all using for energy to either reject or absorb heat from. So I think we talked about this the last time, but I was picturing it in my head and I think Adam, you might've touched on it. There's strategic points? Like, is there, does every home have have its own pump or a set of pumps, or is there centralized pumps on the loop that are feeding this uh, or feeding each home?
2: So, I, yeah, I can speak to that. And again, I'll, I'll caveat with I, I worked on this, I had the privilege of working on this project about three years ago in the uh, early days on the design side. So, I'm not sure what the final solution ended up being here, and, but I can give you the high level of the kind of the vision of the system. Obviously, so it's, to Andre's point, it's a single family residential development, a couple hundred homes. In the home itself, I'll leave domestic all, hot water off to the side for now, I'm not sure how that was dealt with. In the end, I think a few different solutions were explored, but every home would have a water-to-air uh, ground source heat pump with a flow center, so a dedicated circulating pump that takes you know, a supply and return pipe you know, from underground like you would be serviced by other utilities those two supply and return pipes would connect to the distribution piping system in the project. Mm -hmm. So every home controls its flow from the distribution piping system to the heat pump. The distribution piping system in this project, which is really novel and unique, is a single pipe system. So it's like a big ring loop around the development. A number of ring loops to be more detailed. So a single pipe system would have a supply and return takeoff from that pipe to each home. Uh, That ring would have a number of buried pumping vaults that would you know, deal with, obviously, the flow requirements of that main distribution piping system. And then there is along the length of that pipe at strategic points, depending on where you need heat ejected or extracted, you'd have a geothermal vault that acts like a bit of a bypass. You take some flow off that pipe, pass it through a ground heat exchanger, and depending on the temperature of that fluid, it either extracts or rejects energy and you know, replenishes the, the main pipe, if you will. So we have pumps in the home, a vault with pump to deal with the main flow through that larger pipe, which is you know around a six or eight inch nominal diameter pipe, and then you'd have little bypass pumping loops that go to uh, geothermal modules throughout the site.
1: Interesting. And what type of fluid is circulating through the the, the system?
2: I can, like that. I can't necessarily speak to it with one hundred percent confidence. Often, uh, I can say in the geothermal industry, we. uh, you know, From best practice perspective, to reduce the number of boreholes on a project, we, we look to push the operating temperatures on these loops, typically around the freezing point of water uh, is the low end of what you would see if you were you know, peak low design day conditions on the loop. So with standard ground loop systems, we would implement you know, on projects we've worked with uh, Armstrong and Andre on. Uh, we would run you know, anywhere from 20 to 25% propylene glycol from grade or uh, 20, 15 to 20% uh, from grade ethanol. This project could have gone all water. It, it really depends on, you know, the final performance level of the homes. And, you know what what uh, mechanical loads were picked up on the loop. So it could be all water or freeze protected, depending on the final solution. There.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so Andre, can you maybe speak to the type of pumps that would have been used in a, an application like this?
0: Typically, they'd be the Armstrong, um, the design envelope pumps. So uh 4, 300s, vertical inlines. With the integrated controls, you know. So this is going into the geeky side of this now. Is that you know when when Adam was talking about different fluids, and then you know we're talking about heat pumps. So all of this has a key play in how a system works, right? Because what we're doing is we're moving thermal energy from one potential to another. But a lot of that energy is the latent heat that you're either capturing or discharging at the heat pumps. And so the temperature ranges you're operating at and the pressures that you have require are critical in the COP of performance of these systems. All the Armstrong pumps are able to do is, you know, we're maintaining flow and also then uh, able to monitor temperatures so that we're always within a temperature range that's ideal for heat pump performance and the fluid that we're operating with.
1: Mm -hmm. So the pumps at the, for each home though, are they
0: smaller circulator type pumps? They would be smaller circulator type pumps if they're right in the heat pump itself. Yeah. Like Like an Astro or something like that. Just a little, a little guy, the circulator. Correct.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So do you want to maybe speak to the loop itself and what we maybe got to do to maintain a loop like this, that it's feeding so many different homes is how do we maintain this loop? Are we putting a chemical in it? Do we have filters Do we have? I've seen some technology nowadays where you can put some, some magnetized filters in there that capture like little filings and stuff like that. How are we dealing with the, to keep that loop nice and clean
0: so there's no problems? I would usually think that we're just using a, a filtration system, some, something similar to TUNO filters or, or air separators. Air separators uh, in the system with a magnetic pickup. For if we're worried about filings or things like that, I don't think there'd be anything more technical than that. Unless Adam has
2: uh... no, no, I would agree with you. I mean, st- standard filtration methods would be comparable for this. system. systems, <coughs> honestly, it's a it's a, a standard circulating. I know freeze protected lower lower concentration than some other applications, but uh, you know, no rocket science there. Say standard best practices in the industry would suffice. Uh, chem treatment needs, it's going to be a function of you know, how the system's developed. I can say that the intention on a system like, um, you know, with, with Mattamy Homes and Markham and other residential geothermal systems that have been done a lot in the West Coast, these are all plastic distribution systems, high-density polyethylene. So chem treatment is a, is a different animal here, We're not worried about corrosion and uh, some of the other issues that come with, um, with a uh, metallic-based distribution system here. Uh, so to be mindful of that, those things do change. But outside of that, I mean, chem treatment through the filtration st- standard industry practice would be, would be acceptable for a system like this. Okay. That's fair enough. So now that we talked about
1: this and we're sort of on this, now, now we're, we're sort of ramping up into this geo conversation. There's a lot of people out there that uh, they want to go, they, they, the, the term electrification is, is used a lot. They want to really um, focus on heat pumps and geo and get away from gas-fired equipment for environmental sakes and, and whatnot. But there's, there's a real upfront cost to putting in geo, like especially if you're in a, if you're a single family home and, you, and you're sort of in a rural area, to replace your system with geo, there's a, there's a real upfront cost. Are you seeing, Adam, since you, you're within this realm of, of, of the, the industry here, are you seeing a lot more people gravitating towards this or is there still a little bit of hesitancy because of the cost?
2: I think that uh, there's absolutely a trend towards larger uptake of the technology. I could say that's, and 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 I'm sure Andre can speak to it as well. uh, The number of jobs across your desk, definitely in the higher density applications, multi-residential buildings, commercial settings, institutional settings. This is this is growing and accelerating quickly. And we're also seeing it now. We're having more discussions with you know larger community developers in the single family type. A development model that are looking at mass geo uptake on these projects as well so it's it's definitely there's a there's a paradigm shift there i'll let you speak a little bit andre on that as well but i'd like to get back to the cost
0: side of it if you want oh to. yeah um so one of the largest influencers on this is carbon taxing now um and as the uh, i just filled up my propane tank up north and i've never seen a bill this big before in my life so Carbon tax is going to start having a huge influence in terms of moving away from, you know, fossil burning solutions to, uh, to electrification. And uh, as the technology develops more and more, you know, we'll see the costs start driving down. But, a, you know, a case example in the US in Manhattan now, the carbon tax that downtown buildings have is doing um is forcing a lot of property owners to look at solutions like this. Um, we were dealing with one developer down there who said that his um, the the taxing is going to add almost eighty five to ninety thousand dollars in added cost, heating costs to a fifteen story building in downtown Manhattan. He goes geothermal it, 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 to him it's a no- brainer now. you know they and this is where some of the technology that Adams Company is bringing in—you know—they're coring in the subfloors of the building. Yeah. So we look at it now, but as this technology becomes more and more prevalent, you know the prices are going to go down, or there's going to be a model similar to what the, what GeoSource is doing, where they are the utility, so they will do the coring, but. Uh, they will charge for the thermal energy that they're providing.
2: That's a beautiful segue, Andre. That's the point I wanted to come back to. Actually, if you don't, maybe I could just clarify that a little well, bit more.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd like you to clarify that because yeah. I've never heard of this concept before.
2: Yeah, so so and Andre queued it up perfectly. I think obviously the the capital costs for you know a single a typical homeowner can be challenging. Uh, it can be challenging for other developers that are developing you know higher density condos, rental buildings, or commercial commercial assets, but you know, the project delivery model is a big key on how you can make geo still work here, right? So I think the, what Andre had spoken to was, you know, a geothermal utility service as a project delivery model. Really, what it means is uh, a vendor like GeoSource would work with a developer. And we're doing this as well with uh, single-family applications for larger scale uptake, not, you know, home at a time, but a couple hundred homes. We can, we can address this as well. We would design, build, own, operate, and maintain the geothermal system we would fund that asset, own it for typically a term of 30 years, and then engage in a contract with our client to buy you know, those thermal services back over time. So really what we're doing is we're taking that upfront capital cost and turning it into an operating cost, using our patient capital to implement the system and give the, give the customer the, the upside of a low-carbon asset. And
1: typically, what would that cost? Or would, would this be like a monthly... Th- Costs, yeah, okay. So, typically, what would that cost?
2: That's a very loaded question. I'll I'll refrain from answering in detail, (laughs) but I can I can tell you the model, the way the model works for uh, single family homes, the costs would be very comparable to what you would see for you know rental equipment. You would you would procure from other vendors in the market. You know, like a rental furnace or rental AC, similar fees on a monthly basis. When we look at you know higher density applications in condo buildings model there is we can often provide a geothermal system at or below market rates for heating and cooling. So when you, you know implement the system, say we produce 50 or 60% operational savings, we take a portion of those savings back to justify our investment, and then we'll leave the rest of the savings on the table for the end user. Uh, that's really the upside here, right? This technology is very efficient. It's obviously a higher upfront capital cost, but we can leverage the operational savings to turn this into a bit of kind of like an escrow model, right? We, we invest in the energy efficiency technology and use the savings to fund the investment. And this is done for
1: commercial and residential?
2: Yeah. So I would say the, the most common space right now would be uh, the condo market is, is ripe. It's, uh, it's, it sees the, the, uh, the need for this solution. Uh, we're doing it for rental developments, higher density rental developments, commercial and institutional. Both new, primarily, but retrofit applications as well. And there is a model that GeoSource is, is uh, brought to market with uh, some of our partners
0: to address the uh, the single family market as well. <laughs> to that point, then Gary, what you're seeing in a lot of designs is the move from a uh, move away from a fan coil and a four pipe system in a condo to geothermal heat exchanger with heat pumps being the terminal units or the appliance in every condo unit. And that's where, you know, that's the move to, to green technology. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of picturing that in my head because I've been into some high-rise buildings and seen the, the old Unilex sort of closet HVAC system. And every, every, time, I, every time I open one of them up, it's all, it's all corroded. It's like nobody does maintenance on them. They're all like nasty inside. But um, yeah, I, I can see I can see how this how this would um, take the place of those style of units. But the um, who is the manufacturer of of the in-suite units? Like who uh, who makes those? There's
2: the a, new there's ones. A, I mean there's a range of vendors out there. I mean, we see a is lot there? of Omega on the market. We we've seen, you know, EnterTech. Inter- right. EnterTech's another great manufacturer for extended range. Geothermal heat pumps, even in a multi residential setting. There's a lot, of, a lot of players in the market. And, and really, what we look to the difference between a geothermal applicable heat pump and you know, a conventional in-suite heat pump is these are extended range products. They can operate at those lower temperatures, which in some cases means it's a marginally larger heat pump. And it has, you know, insulation on the source sink coil uh, of the heat pump, obviously, because they're running at lower temperatures. We want to avoid. Condensation and corrosion issues inside the cabinet and whatnot. That's awesome. And optimize your COP
0: performance. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So let me ask: you if this question is for both of you, if if you know the answer, have you seen a compare like a comparison of like like a, a standard high rise that would have boilers, a chiller, a cooling tower, and the cost of installing that compared to installing a geosystem? Have you seen any cost analysis or cost comparisons? in that manner. Absolutely. Have you? Okay. You want to talk about one or two of them, just so we can get an idea of of what the difference would be?
2: Yeah. I mean, like I think at a high level, we'll start at a high level. We can dig down deeper, but if you were to look at, uh, you know, keeping the building side fixed, if you will. So assuming we're dealing with pretty common in the condo market is an in-suite heat pump model, two pipe distribution in the building, that two pipe system being fed by a boiler for heating and have a cooling tower for heat rejection you would often see the cost of building that central plant, so the generation of the boiler and the cooling tower is typically half the cost of a ground heat exchanger system, which is what we provide in the market on the geo site. So what you would save and avoid capital, depending on the size of the facility, would typically come in to be about half the capital cost of what it would take to put geo in the site. So you increase your capital, if you will, by a factor of two, You would reduce your operating cost anywhere in the range of fifty to seventy percent on an annual basis for HVAC applications, specifically heating and cooling. We're talking about. So it
1: costs more to put the geo system in, but you save on your operating costs over the long
2: term. Absolutely, yeah. And the big upside with this infrastructure, as well, just to highlight, is this is all HDPE piping, high quality resin. So we're using actually better quality plastic pipe than you know some of the gas distribution companies are using now to move. Natural gas through the streets. This pipe comes with a 50-year manufacturer's warranty on it. Uh, some independent institutes, like the Plastic Pipes Institute, has you know ex- uh, assessed and projected the expected life of this piping to be well in excess of 100 years. So this you know capital-intensive system could be you know a one-time investment in a building to get to have heating and cooling for, for the life of that building. So just to be mindful of that, I think that's an important point to stress on the ground side. Interesting.
1: You got any thoughts on that, Andre, on, on the, the operating costs being much lower? And
0: No, no. I, I mean, it's just common sense. You know, once you have bored the holes, you know, your, your major piece of equipment is your pumping equipment, whereas in a traditional system, you've got the boiler, you know, you've got the cooling tower, um, or even if you've got a chiller, that's all capital costs and that's all maintenance equipment as well so i'm in complete agreement with what adam is saying yeah and on top of that the condo owners the 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 cost or maintenance of the the terminal unit the heat pump is the condo owner's responsibility as well so the building basically absolves itself from everything else so when your terminal unit fails or needs to be replaced you as that owner are responsible for replacing it, so you know. That, oh, is that is that how it works? Okay. Yeah, yeah, because it's an appliance. Yeah, you know, just like a fridge or a stove in your in your unit.
1: So okay, cool. So the, I I'm I'm trying to picture how these th- are these things in uh, comparison to the traditional like Unilux style fan coils that go into these in suites are are they typically the same size? Kind of fit in a closet type thing. Yeah, I think so, right, Adam? They're not
2: that. Yeah. They're... Sorry, just repeat that. They're I'm not. Sure.
1: Just the comparison of the the heat pumps that would go into the uh, these in suite the, like in the suites compared to the the old fan coil style. Are they similar in size? Yeah, they're similar. Yeah. Okay, but they're in like a closet on the floor. Like they don't have to, like the tech doesn't have to get up into the ceiling space or anything like that. And Correct. Correct. Okay, good, good. Because, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> after, after seeing, I don't work in attics, but I, I see a lot of techs working in attics and I can't stand that they put equipment in an attic, especially in, in warm climates where it could get 140, 150 degrees Fahrenheit in there. And ceiling spaces are ridiculous for a lot of machines too. So I'm glad they're going in closets that are accessible for the
2: service tech. Yeah, you know, I had uh, my DX coil uh, for my AC uh, system fail on me this summer, the peak of the peak of the heat, uh, cooling season, and luckily my air handler was located in the attic, so barely fit and had to rip that out. Very hot day, and was uh, cursing the person who made the decision to put it up there. So I. I can, I can hear you.
1: Yeah. I, like I said, I've, I've worked in attics before, not, not often, but uh, some, there was a tech a couple years ago that had passed away. I, I don't know if it was directly because of the attic, but it was probably indirectly because of the, the amount of heat he was suffering from within yeah. there. And anyway, I'm glad to hear that. And, and um, I, I'd sign a petition any day that stop machinery from going into attics and ceiling spaces, but <laughs> Then then you're taking up floor space from all the uh the the corporate bigwigs, right? The yeah. the square footage is reduced and they can't sell as much.
0: <laughs> limit on the architect.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So I mean, we we've covered quite a bit here. Is there anything you guys want to throw in about geo and electrification in general before we head out?
0: You know, just uh, it comes back to what I was saying in the in the beginning is that this is a system of solutions approach. It's not geo only, it's not a heat exchanger only, it's not a heat pump only. It's how all of these pieces of equipment are integrated to to provide one complete solution that focuses on electrification and decarbonization of our industry. And as the industry starts developing a better understanding of the technology, you know, listening to somebody like Adam explain how a bore field actually works, you can start envisioning how that application or how that solution is applicable. And that's why I really wanted to have this conversation. So, you know, pump is with Armstrong, the design envelope pump is just one component in the system, but it's critical in that it is the device that is moving that thermal energy from the well field to the heat pump. And by controlling that flow, we're able to also control temperatures, which correlates into optimizing COP performance in the system. But again, it's a system solution approach. You've got to understand all of technology. Don't understand just pumps or just geothermal or just heat transfer. It's thermodynamics, heat transfer, and fluid dynamics and incorporating all that together with the, the solutions that we have available to us today. And then I'll get off my high horse on that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Adam, last thoughts.: Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll just just to be quick with my comment, I guess just you know, you know, I would say the technology, Geo, it's not new. It's been around for a very long time. It's really, and if you've ever had the opportunity to see the, the process of how these things are built, it's very a very simple system, and what I'm speaking about, simple, I'm referring to the the magic that happens below ground. Uh, simple and elegant. And has a ton of value for buildings. I think you know, irrespective of kind of where you stand on technology and preferences with technology, GeoWorks, it's robust. It can last the the life of the building and and provide people with real, real cost savings and money in their pocket in the long run. So, that's definitely a technology that that should be assessed for for looking to reduce operating costs and is a necessary technology for the developers in the market that are you know looking to get to that you know net zero carbon designation on sites. It'll be a critical component of, of achieving these goals. And, um, and, we're, and we're ready to service the market. We look forward to uh, the growth in this space. Awesome.
1: All right, guys. Thank you very much for your time tonight. I, I learned some stuff. I, I'm glad we had the conversation of the cost analysis between the, the high-rise traditional and, and the geo, because that I think was important for some people to hear. And I'm glad we had this, this talk. And, and the Madame Me Home thing still, still blows my mind. That must have taken quite some time to put together an engineer and, and make sure it was, it was running properly. So that would have been a cool project to be part of. So I appreciate you guys for filling me in and, and the audience in on this stuff.
0: Thanks for the You're opportunity. You're
1: welcome. I'm sure. Perfect. Have a good night, guys. All the best. Okay. Thanks a lot. bye Cheers. A very interesting conversation. And I learned a ton there. And it it opened up my mind to the possibilities that Geo will serve in the future. All right. But thank you, Adam. Thank you, Andre. I really appreciate your time. And I hope you guys learned a ton during this conversation. Thank you, The Master Group. Once again, I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.